Hey everyone, it's Pacific, and welcome to a very special episode of The Hotel. This episode was made in conjunction with the podcast Creepy in celebration of ACAST's Audio Fiction Week. You can learn more by going to acast.com slash audiofictionweek, where you'll find a variety of things like resources from podcasters for podcasters, and even my very own list of seven must-listen-to indie fiction podcasts. All of this is done in celebration of World Audio Drama Day, which is today, October 30th. And we're really excited that we got to team up with Creepy to tell a very special story for this very special day. What you're about to hear is almost an hour-long episode. Uh, it's totally uninterrupted. There's no ads. Um, and I don't want to spoil it. So without further ado, enjoy this week's episode. It was Halloween night, and I was the awkward age of 17. Already too old to go trick-or-treating, and obviously too young for bars. To top it off, I live in a pretty small mountain town, Nederland, which meant my options were very limited. Either I could stay in, or I could go to an awkward party with kids around my age. Which, I mean, would be fine. But there was parental supervision at this party. I really didn't want to spend my Halloween night sitting at my friend's house, with his parents watching our every move. Don't get me wrong, Nederland's a great little mountain town. But it's just that, a little mountain town. I mean, hell. We were one of those towns that had one main street, where all our restaurants, bars, and gift shops sit. I kid you not, standing on one side of town, you can see where Ned ends. It's that small. We get a lot of tourists up from Denver around the fall, when all the Aspen's leaves are changing colors. Or in March, when we have our Frozen Dead Guy Festival. Which is pretty cool until 10,000 people are packed in the five-block radius that's our town. Fortunately for me and my Halloween plans, my brother, Ren, told me he's coming back up for the night. He's bringing along some college friends. They've apparently started an urban exploring YouTube channel together and invited me to come along with them on tonight's expedition. Of course, I said yes, because that meant one, I got to explore some cool abandoned buildings, and two, I got to spend some time with my older brother. I'd always been close with my older brother, but since he left for college, we hadn't had much time to hang out. I was busy with all the drama in high school, and he was busy with all the work in college. And even though Boulder was only an hour away, it sure felt a lot further. If I'm being honest, I'd started feeling a little trapped in Ned. He can only walk around the town so many times before he'd started to memorize the location of every stick and stone on the ground. But tonight was all about exploring the unknown. And I couldn't wait. Ren and his friends arrived at about 5.30, just after the sun had set and the air began to chill. They were driving, of all things, a minivan. Ren's minivan. He said it was the cheapest car in the lot when he bought it. But I think the real reason is that he's always been the mom friend. Even when he was in high school, he'd borrow mom's car to drive him and his friends down to town to see a movie or go to some arcade. And I doubt college had changed that much. Ren got out of his cherry red minivan and swooped me up in a big hug. A little embarrassing, I'll admit. But I let him get away with it this time. After he'd spun me around a few times, he plopped me down in front of his friends, Lilla and Ozzy. Guys, this is my little brother Norman, but I call him Nemo Ned. That got a laugh. Of course it did. 
Charisma always came naturally to my brother, just like the flush naturally rushed to my cheeks as soon as he told his friends my nickname. Why do you call him Nemo Ned? Lilla asked and Ren grinned. I knew immediately he was going to tell the story. Because he just keeps swimming. See that big lake over there, past the trees? When we were a bit younger, our mom used to walk us down to the shoreline so we could swim in the lake. And you gotta remember, this lake is all snow melt, so it's always the fullest and the coldest in the spring, just after everything's begun to melt. Well, I dip a toe in and shriek! It's so dang cold that I instantly lose all the feeling in my foot. But he jumped right in and started swimming. Of course, by this point, we're already both pretty good swimmers, so I, I know he won't drown, but he's... He starts going a mile a minute, right? Our mom doesn't like it when we go too far, so she starts calling for Nemo to come back. But by now, he's already getting pretty close to the middle of the lake. Ren pauses and gestures his friends a little further down the road. So we're over on that shoreline, and by now he's uh, about midway to the other shore. It's a little lower right now, but you get the point. Well, it's not far, but Nemo's small. He's maybe six. I was seven. I interrupt. He was seven, and that's a lot of water. So he doesn't hear my mom calling, and she gets worried. So she steps in to swim out and get him. She's wearing jeans, right, because it's just barely spring, and it's like 60 degrees out. Ren starts to chuckle to himself. She dips a foot in, and I watch as her face drops. It's freezing cold. She looks back at Nemo, then at me, and tells me to wait here and watch him, like I can do anything, and then runs to get the sheriff. This is the best part. The sheriff back then was this big guy. Not fat, but stocky, muscular dude. My mom rushes him to the shore, and he takes one look at Nemo and dives in. Now, I think this man is going to drown like a rock, but he picks up speed pretty quick, and that's when Dingus here. Just keep swimming? Lilla suggests. Ren smiles and nods. Yup. Outswam the sheriff for a few minutes and makes it to the other side of the lake. Then he starts jumping up and down like he just won some big race. They all burst into a hysterical fit of giggles. I can't help but join them. Once the laughter died down, Rem brings us around to the back of his minivan and opens it up. Ozzy dives in and starts pulling out gizmos and doodads. All right, so this is everything you're going to need once you get inside. We got harnesses, equipped with GoPros, helmets too. You'll have one each. Here's your tactical fanny pack. Inside you'll find flashlights, carabiners, and some glow sticks. But use them sparingly. We only have five each. Oh, and don't forget our little friend, Crowley the Crowbar. Lilla pulls out a crowbar from within the minivan and handed it to me. It was heavier than I thought it would be. Pure steel. Great for breaking down anything. Since you're the newest member of our expedition, you'll be carrying it around. Finally, I've been hauling that thing around for two years. So, think you're ready to go... Urban exploring? That sends all of us into a fit of giggles again. But Ozzy abruptly stops. Whoa, wait, you're not ready. Ozzy's right. Oh no, I thought this might happen. I looked up at the trio. What? Do I have to pass some hazing ritual or something like that? No, nothing like that. You gotta change clothes. I looked at my clothes and back up to my brother. You said comfy jeans with versatility, right? To prove my jeans were both versatile and comfy, I did a wide stretch and bent a knee. Doesn't get much more versatile than this. That's not the problem. You're in all black, man. Yeah, it's gonna be dark tonight. 
It's a new moon, so there's barely going to be any natural light, and once we're inside, it's easy to get lost. You're going to have to change into something colorful, like us. Don't worry, I know you're in an emo phase right now and only buy black clothes, which is why I brought you this. I had a sneaking suspicion that this had been part of Ren's plan. Ren pulled out a brick red bomber's jacket and handed it to me. As of tonight, you're no longer Nemo Ned. You're now... The Chicken Man! Ironed onto the back of the bomber's jacket was a giant cartoon emblem of the Chicken Man. Where did you find this? Was shopping around some thrift stores a couple months back and found this gem. I just knew you had to have it. I looked up at Ren. You can't be serious, right? Oh, we're serious. Deadly serious. Welcome aboard, Chicken Man. Begrudgingly, I put on the Chicken Man jacket and did a full turn so everyone could see the embarrassing knockoff Big Bird on the back. How's it look? You tell me if it looked bad, right? That got another round of laughter from all of us. With that, we all boarded the minivan and drove out of town. All right, Ozzy, we're in the car, all prepped and ready. Are you finally ready to tell us where we're going? No can do. Oh, come on, you've been keeping it a secret for weeks. I don't think Ozzy's playing anything. The car went silent for a moment, and Ozzy turned to look back at me with a wide smile and winked. Oh my god, Ozzy, seriously? Don't even sweat it, Blue Jay. Fate will guide us where we need to go. And what if fate also didn't make plans? Well, then let's just follow this highway for a while and turn onto the first dirt road we find. Ugh. All right. This time we'll leave it up to fate. But I swear to God, if we can't find somewhere to explore tonight, you'll be wearing the Chicken Man next. We'll see about that. And on that note, Ozzy reclined his seat, closed his eyes, and took a short nap. We drove through the windy mountains for the better part of an hour, passing occasional houses and a rare gas station, before Ozzy woke up and leaned forward. He squinted, scanning our surroundings as they whizzed past us. Up there! See that next left? Ren nodded, flipped on his blinkers, and slowed the car to turn. It might just be houses up here, private property. If any of you see signs, let me know. I don't want to get shot by some mountain folk. Roger that, Ren. The dirt road was bumpy and dark. It seemed like our headlights couldn't perforate the thicket of trees and darkness on either side of us. Ren slowed the car even more until we were slowly drifting through the woods. Maybe we should turn back? Not yet. If there's a road, there's a destination. And I bet it's going to be a good one. He's right. They don't make roads that lead to nowhere. There. See that? Is that a mansion? No, I think it's a hotel. Well, I hate to say it, but I think Ozzy made the right call this time. Told you. Are we sure it's not... inhabited? Wanna go knock? Absolutely not. Chicken Man, you're up. Take a flashlight and knock on the door. I wasn't expecting that. My heart started racing. What if there was someone living there? Maybe Ren was right. They had guns and hated visitors. It was too late. Ozzy stuck a flashlight on my hand and pushed me, my heels dragging through the dirt to the steps of the building. It looked abandoned, but that didn't mean it was. Any number of people or animals could be dwelling inside. I stared up at the large building, trying to discern its features under the moonless sky. I clicked on my flashlight and immediately saw the cracked windows and wood boards covering the door. It was probably empty. 
I took a step forward, the old stairs creaking loudly under my weight. I took a deep breath and took another step. Then I stopped and looked back at my brother. Just keep swimming. Suddenly feeling embarrassed and like I had something to prove, I steeled myself and rushed up the stairs to the front door. It had been ornate once, masterfully carved and lacquered, and now the wood had become sodden and old. A few boards covered the small windows in each door. Between their cracks, I could see into the foyer beyond. It was empty, save for some leaves and old furniture that had been left behind. Then I caught a glint of something. Ozzy was right. It must have been a hotel. In the center of the foyer, with the stairs on either side, was a large desk. Sitting atop it was a silver bell, seemingly undulled despite the dilapidation all around it. I turned back to the group and called out to them. I think it's safe! I turned back to the doors to get another peep inside, when I heard a distant metal thud. Not a loud one, but a dull, echoey bang. I didn't jump up in fright, but I felt a shiver go down my spine. Ren motioned for me to come back to the group. It was time to strap up. Ren plopped a helmet on me, while Lilla secured my vest and harness. They activated the cameras on my chest and head, then gave me a look over. All right, chicken man. Looks like you're ready. Wait! Ozzy handed me Crowley the crowbar. Ozzy placed his DSLR camera in the trunk of the minivan, set a timer, and rushed to join us. Surprisingly, the photo came out pretty well, save for some of the minivan's fabric on the bottom of the image. I'll crop that out later. All right, time to explore. How are we getting in? There's some boards covering the windows of the front door. We could pry them off and try and unlock them. Maybe, but the windows are kind of high. Might be more struggle than it's worth. Did you try the doorknobs while you were up there? No. I thought I heard a bang, so... That's all right. They're probably locked. Sometimes we luck out, but usually we gotta find a weird way in. Let's take a walk around, see if there's any side doors or open windows. And what about the crowbar? More of a good luck charm than anything. We have yet to actually use it. Really? Really. Come on, folks, this way. Flashlight's on. We walked around the perimeter of the abandoned hotel. It's dark and decayed wood made it look like a shadow out of the corner of your eye. Anytime I wasn't looking at it, I had the creeping feeling that it was watching me. Or shifting ever so slightly just out of sight. We moved around to the back side of the hotel. A large rock wall stood on one side of us, and the hotel on the other. It's weird that they'd build it so close to the rocks, right? Like, that makes for a terrible view. Maybe it made city folk feel at home. Like they were looking at another skyscraper. Ozzy, didn't you grow up in Denver? Yeah, but I found my roots on the mountaintops. Ugh, not this again. I'm just a little sapling clinging to life of the cliffside. Does he do this a lot? Eh, we've lost count. My leaves just follow the wind. I don't decide the direction. Shush! Look at this. Ren pointed his flashlight towards the base of the building. There was a small window well, presumably leading into the basement. And I thought my basement view was shitty. Why put a whole window here when all you can see outside is rocks? Maybe this building doesn't belong here? What's that mean? What if it was built somewhere else and brought here? 
plopped right into the earth? Stranger things have happened. Ren rolled his eyes and jumped into the window well. It was small but deep. When he stood up, only the top of his head appeared above ground. We all took a step closer to watch Ren at work. He was pushing against the window, trying to find where it pivoted. After a few moments without success, he tried tugging on the window, and it glided open. Ha <laughs> ha! Look at that! Come in, everyone! Ren disappeared into the inky blackness inside the hotel. I could hear his sneakers hitting the concrete inside. Next, Lilla went down, then Ozzy. Suddenly, I was alone. The night was dark and quiet. There were no birds or crickets, just a distant wind whistling through the mountains. I felt that chill run down my spine again. Then a blinding beam of light filled my face. Hey, you coming in? Yeah, sorry. Just taking a moment. I gotcha. Come on in when you're ready. There's some cool stuff down here. Lilla left. I didn't want to risk the feeling of that weird shiver again, so I jumped into the window well and climbed into the basement. It was exactly what you'd expect from a basement. Cold concrete floors and stacks of furniture covering each wall. In this room, it looked like primarily chairs covered in cobwebs. A door led into the hallway where I found three flashlight beams peering around the rooms. Occasionally, Ren or Lilla would stop and dip into a room on the side. Or you'd see the flash of Ozzy's camera go off. I think this is the weirdest place we've investigated so far. You know what's wrong with it? No graffiti. All the other places we scouted have been passed over a few hundred times before, but this one is... Preserved. Like it just sat here, collecting dust, waiting for someone to open it up. Like those old Egyptian tombs! Well, let's hope there's no mysterious curse here. I wandered towards the end of the hall, next to where the stairs started, and looked at the last door. Within, I heard a sort of steady tap, tap, tap. Something metallic. Maybe the clang that I'd heard earlier. I almost turned away, but remembering the giant chicken decal on my back, I reached for the handle. I felt a sort of shock strike me as my fingertips met the metal. I expected the doorknob to be ice cold, but instead it was warm to the touch, radiating heat. I turned the knob and pulled the door open. Then I called out for everyone to check it out. They each made their way over to me and peered in past me. Ah, oh, it's an old boiler room. Old, creepy, full of cobwebs, and... And we all jumped. Then were silent for a moment and broke out into laughter again. Wonder if it's warming up for the winter months. Maybe it's getting ready for trick-or-treaters? No, guys. It's waking up because the hotel has guests. We all laughed at that one. But we didn't laugh quite as long. Eventually, we fell into an awkward silence. The four of us staring at the boiler wondering if it'd make another noise. Then Lilla closed the door. The wave of relief was palpable. Eager to leave the basement, we climbed the stairs to the first floor. We emerged on the far side one of the hotel wings. The hallway ahead led to the foyer I'd seen earlier, and on the other side of us were various doors. Ozzy went to the door nearest us and tried to open it, but it was jammed. He tried again, this time giving the door a shove with his shoulder. The door gave way, just a little, but enough for Ozzy to see the chair blocking it. He gestured at me, and I handed him the crowbar. All right, Crowley, let's put you to work. <laughs> Ozzy pushed the chair and swung open the door. 
We expected to see a typical hotel room. Bed, chairs, dresser maybe. Instead, the room had been torn apart. The mattresses were pressed against the wall and the bed frames heaped atop one another. Broken furniture was scattered across the room. And in the center sat a potted plant. That's a Venus flytrap. That's a bad omen. Maybe we move on to the next room. I think that's a good idea. Ozzy pulled the door closed and a click. He looked at the door handle for a moment, then tried to open it again. It's locked. And we're moving on. The next door down opened easily, but the interior was much worse. The hotel furniture wasn't scattered about, but instead scorched. Pitch black char covered the walls. Curtains were burnt to crisps, and the bed was reduced to a heaping pile of ash. It also felt hotter, too. I'm sure my mind was just playing tricks on me, but I swear I felt my skin flush as hot air hit my cold cheeks. I even caught a whiff of something that smelled like burnt hair and melted plastic. Ren closed that door. Lilla opened the next one. At first, this room seemed completely normal. The bed was made, the furniture intact. There was no odd smell. Lilla even took a step inside. We all heard the carpet squelch beneath her boots. It was waterlogged. Lilla took another step inside and ran her hands across the walls. Ugh, they're wet. Like, dripping wet. You can see it on the ceiling, too. Little droplets everywhere. So what? We got earth, fire, and water. Will the next door have air? Maybe some dead firebenders buried in the snow. You know what's been bugging me? What's that? The rest of the hotel seems immaculate, at least as much as an abandoned hotel could be. There's some dust, sure, but there's no real evidence of damage aside from age. But then what? We find a room that was flooded right across from a room that burned? That doesn't happen. Maybe we walked into some Saw-style trap. Each one was a test for some unlucky soul. Maybe it's time to go. I'm not about to find a dead body. You're not ruining Halloween for me. Let's just move on. Get to the foyer. Take some photos and see if we can't go out the front door. We can probably find the key somewhere behind the front desk, right? I realized Ren was waiting for me to respond. Yeah, there's a front desk. It has all these little boxes behind it. Bingo, bango. Let's go get out of here. We made our way to the foyer and Ren made his way behind the front counter. Turns out most of those boxes were empty, save for some room keys. Three room keys, in fact. Should we keep them as a little heirloom? Like I'll ever forget this place. Ren ducked under the counter and continued his search. I, however, couldn't take my eyes off the lobby bell. The hotel may have been preserved, but the bell was pristine. It didn't just look shiny. It was polished. I noticed the bell too. Weird, right? I'm starting to wonder if there's squatters here or something. I just nodded my head. My throat felt tight and my stomach churned. Nothing scary had happened. Not yet, anyways. But I had this overwhelming sense of dread. The boiler rang out again, howling, as if for attention. I realized I was holding my breath, paralyzed in fear. Then the lights turned on, suddenly and without warning. The light was blinding compared to the darkness we'd been wallowing through. The hotel seemed full of color now. The wood wasn't all drab, gray, sodden boards. 
but now you could see the warm red undertones of the rich cherry wood, as if blood was flowing through the hotel once more. I could feel my pulse quicken, and then my heart began hammering. The bell dinged, but there was no one nearby. Ren was still digging through papers beneath the desk, Ozzy was on the stairs, and Lilla was wandering through the lobby, and I was next to the door. I was next to the door, and I wouldn't wait to hear the bell ring one more time. I knew that I had to get out now or never. I turned on my heels and reached for the front door. I gripped each doorknob and flung the double door open and rushed outside. I leaped down the stairs and threw myself into the minivan. Then, I turned and looked back at the hotel. I felt my knees buckle beneath me and slid down against the exterior of the van. I saw three silhouettes look out the front doors into me. And then I heard the third and final ding. The doors slammed shut, and I heard Ren, Lilla, and Ozzy start pounding against them. But the doors were locked tight, and they were trapped within the hotel now. I could do nothing but sit in the dark and wait for their screams to stop. Someone's already here. The air in the hotel is thick and close tonight. The shadows shift, and my eyes won't adjust. There's a layer of dust covering my desk, undisturbed beneath my hands. I'm not accustomed to anything being undisturbed by my touch. I force the dark shadows to bend at my gaze, boring into new shapes forming around me. I've never seen the hotel look like this before. Rundown, yes. Frightening, of course. But never disused and pale. But tonight it feels like a pause between breaths. And when the hotel breathes, it breathes deep. The windows are boarded up. The power is out. And even the ash-caked gossamer strands and corners don't house their spiders anymore. A large staircase leads up to the guest rooms, but darker halls web outward from the foyer by the lobby. My eyes adjust to another dark shade, and the shadows turn into whispering voices. I hear them on the very edge of my mind nervously reassuring themselves. Someone is already here, whispering to themselves in the dark halls and steaming bowels, creeping closer to me, closer to us. In the new light, I can see a door tucked off in a lonely corner. The supply closet. Whatever's going on here tonight... At least I know my lobby boy is with me. Loyal and terrible, he waits for me to summon him. Though I don't know what he may be needed to do. 
There are rooms here that have already been... used. I walk by them and rest my hand on their doors as I pass. I feel their mood. I feel their anticipation. They are... waiting for someone. Maybe it's my mood. Or the hotel's. Maybe these rooms haven't been used... yet. The lights flicker. The edges of the shadow fill in with weak orange glow. But even in the festering cracks of the foundation, there are no roaches or vermin to scatter. The whispering voices rush in like running water. The light breathes stronger, and color rushes into the boarded walls of the hotel. The shadows vanish as the light breaks, and pop. Now even the air feels new again. Around me, I see hazy shapes form and swirl, running with twisted and muted screams. The whispering voices have discovered their fear. They'll be exploring more deeply and darker than they were expecting now. Helmets won't help you in here, I'm afraid. I let them rattle the lobby doors a little. Just long enough so they know, deep down, that they can't get out that way. Doesn't mean they stop pounding away at the doors. It's important to the guests to try. And we are in service to the guests, after all. She sees me first. She wasn't looking for me. I think she was looking for another way out. But when she turned away from the doors, there I was. Slick-eyed and smiling my best for her in the middle of the lobby. Welcome, I say. Ah! They say as they whip around. Young. All three, so young. The tall one has a wild eye already. He won't last long at all, I can tell. He'll break first, and he'll break fast. The other one is already stepping protectively between his friends and me. She knows, though. When I look at her, I can see she already knows it's too late. I turn my attention to the boys. I assume you don't have a reservation then? I say disarmingly. Hi. Uh, sorry, no. We honestly d didn't think this place was open. We're, we're urban explorers. We thought we were alone. He says, nervously. Rapidly. We didn't think anyone was here, I mean. So you don't have a reservation, I say. Can you open these doors? They're locked, I tell him. Because we're not open tonight. It's a special night. 
Sure you heard about that, though. I shouldn't poke him like that. He looks like he's one good sneeze away from cracking up entirely. But it really does feel like a special night. And I don't like this one's attitude. Hey, look! You can't keep us trapped in here! The odds, ma'am, I'm sorry. We're, we're a little rattled. We'll gladly leave the premises. Ren? My brother just ran out these doors. He's right outside. We'll, we'll just go. But she already knows. We'll go. Ren. She knows. Please? I flash them my least reassuring smile and take my place behind my front desk. I let my hard shoes snap sharply on the lobby floor. The sound echoes unnaturally off the walls and floats down the hallways, not diminishing so much as traveling. We can still get out the way we came in. It's not quite checkout time yet, young man. You gonna chase us? I'm not the only one here. Guests are already panicked and running. I haven't built any rooms for them yet, though. I don't think. I, I'm not sure where the, the hotel looks different tonight. My manager looks different tonight. She's laughing I've never seen anything like it before the guests are running holding on to each other they can't stop looking at her either when she laughs her mouth opens just a little too wide they can see just a few too many of her teeth. They almost run right into me. They don't have any bags, so I'm not surprised. I grab one of them by the wrist to stop her from knocking me over. I try to do it gently. I'm not supposed to touch the guests. Usually. But my hands are a little moist, so I have to grab her harder or she'll slip right out and maybe fall down. That would ruin my manager's good mood. But we collide anyway. One of the guests falls to the ground. One of them. The tall boy. He just stumbles and pushes past me down the hall. The girl is screaming, though. Her knees bend, and her eyes are almost as wide as mine now. I'm trying to apologize, to offer assistance, but she won't stop screaming long enough to listen. Let go of her! The boy on the ground. The guest, I mean, he's yelling at me. I'm still holding her wrist. I had to hold it very hard so it doesn't slip out of my hand. Her knees bend more and 
I'm the only thing keeping her on her feet. I don't know what to do. Get off! He jumps up and breaks me away from his friend. I let him push me back. My hands are shaking. I, I didn't mean to hurt the guests. I was trying to help, but everyone is mad and horrified again. She's crying and upset, and I try to apologize because I know my manager is watching, but the guest jumps away from me and runs up the stairs. Lila, wait! He wants to keep her safe, but he won't chase after her. He won't go upstairs. He didn't chase after his other friend. Something is keeping him here, in the lobby. Maybe he thinks he's closer to escaping. We're not. I look to my manager for help. Instructions. Tonight it is not like other nights. She stares at me silent and still. Her too wide smile is gone, but I know it's still there. Behind her eyes, around her teeth. My breath comes out shaky, like my hands. Just behind her on the wall, where the room keys should be, I see there are three missing. There aren't any on the wall at all, but I can tell there's only three missing. Something turns darkly in my manager's eyes. I understand. Before the guest had even reached the top of the staircase, I turn and stomp up the stairs behind her. Red! How do you know my name? I hold up the small, dry card that has been passed through the slot in my private office door while he was manhandling my lobby boy. He hesitates, watching his last remaining friend run deeper into the hotel. I know what he really wants, though. I let him come to me while I wait behind my desk, his boots thud flatly in my lobby. He's practically on the balls of his feet, he's so tense. He can't help but let his eyes flick at the lobby doors as he passes. We have information about all our check-ins, I say, lowering my voice so he'll have to step closer. I'm not staying, I have... I have to make sure my brother's okay. Of course you're not staying. You're not leaving, either. It's out of my hands, I tell him, pointing behind me to my private office. If you want to leave, you'll have to talk to the owner. 
He's not looking at the lobby doors now. He thinks, maybe he'll make it out of here. Maybe, he thinks, he'll get his friends and his brother and they'll all be okay after all. Maybe, he thinks, he won't die. That's what most of them think right before they die. He comes around my front desk, his eyes wary and never leaving the card in my hand. Just a little closer, and I can open the door for him. I almost feel bad for him. Hope leaves the bloodiest hole when it's finally ripped away. The owner of this hotel? They cling to their hopes so strongly. He knows who we are? Because they know. He's in there? There's nothing past hope. If I talk to him... Except themselves. He'll leave us all... He'll let us all leave? No! I drop the card on the still dirty ground. Ren was pulled right off his feet and into the void. The hotel has another guest, and I'll have to see Ozzy to his room personally. His room is right next to Lila's. I'm sure my lobby boy is taking her there right now. Please! The guest keeps shouting at me. I've had guests shout at me before. Please. I've heard guests beg before, too. Not at me, usually. Sometimes, but not usually. Together, we travel down the endless halls, passing room after identical room. She's running as fast as she can, but... She's so scared still. It doesn't take very long for fear to exhaust them. The kind of fear they feel here, I mean. The kind of fear they feel here. All that yelling and crying drains them so fast. She's been trying to run, too, so she's very tired. I walk. Quickly, but I walk. She's pushing herself so hard. I can see how much she's fighting on her face. I can hear it in her voice. Some guests give up right away. They go into shock, or they just give up. Give up so it's over. Not her, though. She's one of the ones that scream and cry and fight until... until their bodies... It's so much worse for them, though. Here, where there's no escape or safety, if you're in the hotel, it's it's already... You're already... She's... already... 
She's stumbling now, slowing down. She knows it's coming. I just want to leave. I just want to leave. She'll get an extra burst of energy now. She'll try something desperate. Anything for an extra few precious seconds. She starts trying the doors. Just one hand, though. Her sweaty hand slips off knobs and slows her down. So she only tries every third door. She keeps her other arm close to her. Hugging her. Now it's every other door. I think I grabbed her too hard. I'm getting closer now. I can see how scared and tired she is now. I want to tell her I'm sorry for hurting her arm. She must see it on my face because she slows down almost to a stop. Stop, stop, stop. Please, let's talk. Talk to me. You didn't mean to hurt me, did you? I shake my head slowly at her, but I don't stop walking. I... I can't. I have to see her to her room. Okay, okay, good, good. You don't want to hurt me now, do you? I shake my head again, but my eyes start to sting water, and I don't stop walking. Oh, God. She tries to run again, but she stumbles and falls against one of the room doors. Oh, God. I reach out to help her up. Just to help her up. Oh, no. She has a room key in her hand now. One of the missing three. She tries it on the door behind her, praying it will work. It works on all the doors, though. And she slams it shut behind her, locking herself in. She should have saved her prayers for now. Every hall in the hotel leads to the guest rooms, and those rooms end up wherever the hotel pleases. One chose to run, one chose to hide, but they both end up side by side. You're not getting me! Not likely! He's been creeping from shadow to shadow like a blind roach in its death throes. But there's no hiding in here. Not for us, not from us. Wherever he went, trying to hide in the hotel's different chambers, I was there waiting for him. In each ballroom, I was already on the bandstand, eyes shining in the dark. I do not belong here! 
You can't keep me here! I watched him from the walk-in freezer while he looked in vain for cutlery in the kitchen. Come on, come on, come on, please! I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta... He knew each time that I was there. He might have realized he was being guided and probed, but the terror he felt left no room for anything else. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta... Around each corner, at the end of every hall, I was waiting already. Glimpses of reflections in mirrors and half-caught shadow pursued him until, after all, he found himself right back in the foyer by the stairs. What the hell? He saw his friend screaming and fleeing into a room, fleeing my lobby boy. He sees me at his back, eyes flashing silver in the dark, gliding closer no every time he turns me. his no back. Way. No way! But he's already gone. No way! Not likely! Not bloody- He didn't even seem to realize he had the key in his hand again. I join my lobby boy by the last door. Behind it, wind blows gently. The calm before the storm. Tonight's guests came without reservation, without foreknowledge. But tonight, tonight, a guest has come to me, to my void on the third story. Here, there's nothing but endless black, stacks of ancient paperwork and boxes, my office supplies. Corporate privacy is paramount. I enjoy privacy when generating my reports. No one is allowed in here. Not the staff, not the guests. To my knowledge, no one but me has ever been in here. Nearly no one. Where am I? This guest, this boy, was brought here by the manager. The lady at the desk said I could get help here. He must have pissed her off. Is she here too? I am here. And the manager doesn't have any authority here. I want to go. My friends and I don't want... It. My friends and I didn't know anyone was going to be here. You and your friends don't have any idea what you don't know. What are you going to do with us? I draw his attention to three small, closed-circuit television sets on a desk I hadn't allowed him to notice. I turn the first one on. What is this? Is this the GoPro he's wearing? How are you doing this? I turn on the second television. Let them go! I can't help but wrinkle my nose at him. His friends have already lost their minds to shock. One can't stop himself barricading the room. He hasn't even noticed what's in there with him yet. And the other one is just rocking herself in the corner. But here he is, yelping at me like he's got anything to do with this. Like he's got any say in what comes next. Like he can save them. 
Stop ringing that damn bell. <laughs> He watches the screens and sees his friend's final panic from their own perspective. The fire starts at the door, of course, springing from nothing but the curious whim of the hotel itself. His friend runs to the other side of the room, but the rooms are small tonight. She, clawing at the wall as the wallpaper catches in the dry air, the heat reaches her far before the flames do. She seems surprised for a moment, before her hair catches too. The polyester couch she's standing on melts to her shoes and sags as the stuffing burns away. Stop! Please! Hotel policy is no one checks out, friend! Lila! Lila! Their rooms are right next to each other. And the night is almost over. What is that? Oh my god. What is that? No, no! Help me, of course, the adjacent room doesn't feel the heat at all. Vines are lashing themselves to the young man inside. He struggles, but that just drives the thorns deeper. I can almost hear them scrape his bones over his muffled screams. An enzyme is oozing from his growing wounds. The plant he failed to notice grows as fast as the fire, but doesn't kill quite as quickly. It seems to be just as painful, though. He struggles so hard, he's doing almost as much damage as the room itself. I see all this happen without taking my eyes off of Ren. Stop! He screams and cries, Please. but he doesn't break. He's still fighting for something. Please! But we're not done with him yet. You didn't save your friends! I point to the screens where his friends still suffer. You can't save your brother either! You got out? Are you so sure? Yes! I turn on the third television and show him the room, already filling with water. Whomever's perspective it is, they're up to their waist in water already. No! He got out! That's not what I see here! It's a lie! He got out! No one gets out! He got out! He got out! I saw it! Then it must be your room! Oh my god. Please, no, 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 please, please. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Please, no, 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 please, please. Help! Help me! Help! Lila. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got it. Nemo. Maybe I can still. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Just. Swimming. 
I open the door behind me, standing free in this empty place. And on the other side wait the manager and her wretched lobby boy in the hallway by the foyer. Her flesh is gray and tough, pulled back from her lips and eyes. Her hair lays in thin strands over her exposed skull. He's missing chunks of flesh, chewed away already by maggots and botflies. His eyes are white and glassy. She doesn't have any at all anymore. I beckon them in with my now skeletal hand. The motion disturbs the dust that's beginning to form on my suit. It's unusual being in here. It's been an unusual night. Thank you for having us, sir. I don't want you here. Yes, sir. But she... special for us, is it? Mm, no, I'm sorry, but you, you wouldn't understand. That's the trick, I'm afraid. Trick. Trick. I thought it would be nice to be, be together, together as a family for a night. But, but it's time to go it's now. It's time to go now. It's time to go now. We turn off the monitors. A room savaged by a boy driven mad. A small, potted Venus fly trap in the center. A room scorched to nearly black, populated by melted shapes of nothing. An otherwise normal room, soaked completely through with water from a snowmelt spring. Hotel, who welcomes all who knock on her doors, and always appreciates a good costume. Especially tonight. Especially tonight. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to The Hotel, wherever you find podcasts. We Found the Hotel was written by Pacific S. Obadiah and Travis McMaster, and narrated by John Grills. Ren was Russ Moore. Leela was Madeline Moore. Ozzy was Brandon Nguyen, with sound design and music done by Danny Sweet. The Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Witten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager, Mark Witten as the lobby boy, Graham Rowett as the owner, and Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, 
and special guest composer Zach Tatum Drake.